0: Everybody, how y'all doing? Man, it's good to see y'all. Um, you know, I was thinking this morning, it's of course, it's been we all know this it's been a week and a half since the hurricane, and but it feels like it's been a lot longer than that. I, I definitely miss you guys weren't able to be together. Uh, I know it's been a, a difficult week for a lot of us, um, for a lot of different reasons, and and again, I just want to point out how beautiful it is that God has us in the book of Ecclesiastes in 2020, right? I saw Uh, a meme yesterday that said, when does 2020 become a swear word? Uh, You know, and I think that that might be appropriate at some point. But, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm excited the fact that God is so personal with us. And we're going to address this a little bit in this morning. But, man, I really appreciate the worship this morning. Um, And I'm going to share a couple of things that the Lord spoke to me directly this morning with you guys. But I want you to see how good and personal God is. Because what we're going to talk about today is that a lot of people don't get to see that. Um, especially in a time like right now where we just had this horrific hurricane come through. Um, it's difficult. Um, I shared last week, we had a brief Zoom meeting uh, last Sunday morning, uh, and I mentioned these first two verses that are in, in the end of chapter 9. We're going to read those again this morning because I feel like there's a lot there that the Lord has for us. Um, and I don't know about you, but there just have been a lot of people asking a lot of different questions, specifically about God and in relation to the hurricane that we just experienced, right? And we're not, that's not uncommon. Anytime our lives get disrupted the way that they have been the last couple of weeks, um, it makes people think about God when they may, might not um, do that. You know, I can't speak for you guys, but for for me last Thursday morning when the hurricane was coming through, which... You know, Bethany and I have talked about it a number of times. Thank God that 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 part or the bad part happened when it was daylight and we could see what was going on outside. I can't imagine going through that in the dark like a lot of people had to. Um, For us, there was a lot of trees that fell and a lot of big trees and it would shake the house when the tree hit the ground. And uh, it was just nerve-wracking. And and to say the least, I was anxious for for my family's safety and for our our home and those kinds of things. Um, but But I have to say, in the middle of that, there was peace that I haven't experienced before. And I think a big part of that is because of what the Lord has been teaching me and teaching you guys through this book of Ecclesiastes about the temporary nature of things and the fact that that even though there is chaos in our lives, that God is still at work, that He hasn't left us, He hasn't forsaken us. And I think that's an important message that that God has, not just for us, but for the people that we do life with. We're going to talk about that a lot more today. Um, I'm going to share two different readings, two different devotions that I read this morning because I want you to see... How personal God is. Again, we can sing these songs about the goodness of God because we know Him, right? But there are so many people in our lives who don't know God. They don't know that God's good. Look at what um, this is one from Tozer this morning, and I want you—if you've read this, you're going to go, ah, huh. You're going—you see what God's doing. But I want you to to hear this because it speaks to why so many people struggle with the idea of God, especially during devastation. Listen to uh, what Tozer had to say this morning. He quotes Colossians, verse one twenty-two through 23. And look, this is a couple of paragraphs, and we've got them on the screen. So do me a favor, do yourself a favor. Stay plugged in, listen to what the Lord has to say. In Colossians it says, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not move from hope held out in the gospel. And this is what Tozer says. The book of Acts lays strong emphasis on the steadfastness in the faith, as do the Pauline epistles and the book of Hebrews. Obviously, the apostles conceived the Christian life not to be, or to be a long, tough journey, requiring a lot of faith and determination, but ending in glory at last. Neither Christ nor his apostles taught the once-for-all finality of the act of believing so popular among us today. The whole buildup of the usual evangelistic meetings these days is toward the initial act of believing. Once a confession has been extracted from the seeker, a sense of victory seizes on everybody. It is as if a fish had been landed and safely stowed into the basket. The saving act has been performed, and there remains nothing more to be done, not so taught by the apostles or by the faithful leaders of the church of God through the centuries. Faith in Christ is not an act to be done and gotten over with, as one might... uh, as one might get inoculated against yellow fever or cholera. The repentant sinner's act of believing in Christ for forgiveness and eternal life is the beginning of a continuous act of believing which lasts throughout life or for all eternity. Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed. These words accord perfectly with the exhortations of Barnabas to the Christians in Poseidon and Antioch. That that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in faith, and that we must, through much tribulation, enter the kingdom of God. Look, there are so many people in our lives that are struggling right now because they taught a lot like I was taught growing up, that all you do is give your life to Christ, and then it's just smooth sailing from there, right? And and if you've been a believer for any amount of time, you know that that is not the case, right? That that's not how life works and that's not what Jesus taught and I don't know how the church got there but I think there are so many people specifically in Louisiana right now that are struggling with why did this happen to me because their idea of God is I gave my life to him I put my faith in him my life should not be like this I should not experience loss and tragedy right and so for us to be here on a Sunday morning and sing these songs about the goodness of God They're not experiencing that. And some of those are believers. Some of them have given their life to Christ, but they don't know the goodness of God yet because they've not walked in that experience yet. And then there are also a lot of people in our lives who don't know the Lord, who are looking at the devastation around. My kids, I, I loved, not that I loved, I was intrigued by their reactions this morning. This was the first time they've left the house since the hurricane. Now, I've seen it because I've been going back and forth to work, but they were just, I mean, oh my gosh, look at that. Oh my gosh, look at this. Look, that's not unique, right? Everybody's having that reaction. But for us, we know the goodness of God, and so we know that even though times are hard, that God is still good, like we sang about this morning, that, that His goodness is always there. He is always faithful. But church, not everybody has that. They can't have that peace in the storm that God gave me Uh, Thursday morning because I trusted him that's where that peace came from it's not because I didn't care about my possessions it's because I knew that God cared about me and my family more than I cared about those things and that's the good news that our that our people need to hear the people in our lives we know Christ and we're able to walk with him through difficulties but there are brothers and sisters in Christ that need this message and as we've talked about before God's plan for them to hear that message is you it's God's intent for us to share His goodness with the people around us. It's our, our job, it's our responsibility to share this relief that comes through trusting in Jesus, to know that He cares much more about us than we could ever care about ourselves. I love it. Keep it coming. Listen, our verses this morning that we're about to read are yet another example of the relief that we can experience when we learn to trust Jesus with our lives, when it's not just us trying to figure this all out on our own. Read these verses with me and, and we're going to break them down a little bit. We're going to start in Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and we're going to read verses uh, 11 through chapter 10 verse 1. Again I saw under, su- under the sun that the race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong or bread to the wise or riches to the discerning or favor to the skillful. Rather time and chance happen to all of them for certainly no one knows his time like a fish caught in a cruel net or like birds caught in a trap, so people are trapped in an evil time as it suddenly falls on them. I have observed that this also is wisdom under the sun, and it, is, and it is significant to me. There was a small city with a few men in it. A great king came against it, surrounded it, and built large siege works against it. Now a poor wise man was found in the city, and he delivered the city by his wisdom. Yet no one remembered that poor man. And I said, "Wisdom is better than strength, but the wisdom of the poor man is despised, and his words are not heeded." The calm words of the wise are heeded more than the shouts of a ruler over fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner can be destroyed. One sinner can destroy much good. Dead flies like a per- make a perfumer's oil ferment and stink. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. Look, I want to I wanna look specifically this morning first at these first two verses. And I, I said last week that just, you know, you read those first two verses and it's hashtag 2020, right? We're all caught in this trap. It's all of this stuff is just falling on top of us and there's not much we can do about it. But in these first two verses, we see this relief that I'm talking about. Often our minds begin to ask questions like, did I do something to cause? And then you fill in the blank. When life goes wrong, you ask in your mind, your brain's natural response often to tragedy is, what did I do to cause this to happen to me, right? You may not be in that place anymore, but I know you've certainly had those thoughts before, and if you're not having those thoughts now, it's because you really understand the grace of God, and you understand that that what happens in this world isn't a reflection on our actions, because God is pleased with us because of what He sees. When He sees us, He sees Christ, right? Right? But there are a lot of people who don't understand that. I guarantee you that there are people all over the South right now that have suffered loss and they are asking themselves that very question. God, why me? God, why did you make this happen to me? God, why did my house get destroyed and my neighbor's looks fine? God, why did I lose a loved one? Those are honest, real questions. And and we have the good news. The good news is, is that Christ covers all of that. It doesn't make loved ones come back to life. It doesn't make tragedy any easier. But what it does is it helps us to realize that there is a God who loves us, who is walking through that with us. The point, number one, I want to make today is that our world is not the way it's supposed to be. That's the good news, is that God didn't do this. God didn't create this. God created a world that's perfect. We've looked a lot back at the book of Genesis and how God created the world. This this book continues to point back to the beginning. And this book continues to tell us that this world is upside down and it's not because God doesn't love his people. It's because sin is in the world. And so often when people can't reconcile in their minds why things are happening the way they are, the only thing they have to turn to is God must be doing this because I can't make sense of it and that 's not the truth. I shared this last Sunday morning, but I know a lot of you didn 't hear it. I was the Thursday afternoon after the storm had, had pretty well died down. Uh, my family kind of we had to cut our way down our driveway to be able to get out, and there was power lines down. We made a path through the woods. But we went to help some neighbors who um, one of them had a tree on his house. Another had a bunch of trees in his driveway and he couldn't get out and he just had back surgery recently. And so we're helping with those things and we're on the way back and I happen to be in the tractor with my four-year-old nephew who we call Peanut and we're riding and Peanut um, is obsessed with Minecraft. He loves it. He's four years old and just kind of out of the blue, he says, Uncle Will, my world is broken. And I just assumed that he was talking, talking about Minecraft because he always is talking about Minecraft. And I said, oh, you're talking about your Minecraft world? And he said, no, Uncle Will, this world, the real world, my world is broken. And I thought, man, what an incredible um, perception from a four-year-old, right? Because he's looking around him. He's seeing the devastation that's happening. But his observation was bigger than even though he doesn't understand it yet. But look, even the four-year-olds, even the the babies among us see the problems. And then this morning, I'm getting ready for church, and I'm scrambling around. You know how it is on a Sunday morning, and Charlie comes up to me and says, Dad, just out of the blue, Dad, how do we know if God speaks to us? Right? Four years old, out of the mouth of babes, right? I thought, man, this is, so we had a little conversation about it, a four-year-old level conversation. But guys, four-year-olds see the problems and they also recognize the answers. And so why don't we, right? I think we can. I think we lose sight of what's important. We see the world around us and we become overwhelmed. We become stressed. And we let those things take priority in our minds. We let those things be what consumes our thoughts. But church, this is not the way our world is supposed to be. This hurricane is a great example. It's a great opportunity for us to see again what the preacher is trying to tell us over and over and over again. He says in this passage that, that the quick will not win the race and the strong will not win the battle. And in our brains, that doesn't make sense. And you know why? You know, this is why I think it doesn't make sense. It's because we were created for a perfect world. And in a perfect world, the strong would win the battle and the quick would win the ra- would win the race. Win- I can't speak today. The quick would win win the race there we go I got it out but because sin exists and sin is in this world this world is broken and it doesn't work the way that it's supposed to you know we've joked a lot my family over the last couple of uh, days or weeks that the trees that were in my yard that we wished would have blown down are still standing and the ones that were pretty and look to be healthy are the ones that are laying on the ground right? That's not how that's supposed to work. If a tree is hollow in the middle, that should be the one that's laying on the ground, not the one that's solid. But the world doesn't work the way we think it should, and that's it's part of life, okay? There often appears to be no rhyme or reason in the circumstances of our lives, and all of us want that, right? We want, we want to, to have closure on things we want things to make sense we want to be able to wrap our brains around why things happen the way they do but with a hurricane you just can't do that there's no there's no perfect answer for every person right there's no cookie cutter thing that we can say to make people feel better life isn't fair again like the author says in verse 12 certainly no one knows his time like a fish caught in a cruel net or like birds caught in a trap, so people are trapped in an evil time as it suddenly falls on them. Listen, every person alive experiences hardship in their life and those especially in Southwest Louisiana and East Texas understand literally what it means when the devastation falls on them, right? And this this is our community, this is our neighborhood. These are our people, right? They need to hear the good news. Listen, life isn't fair. It's hard. And it's okay to say that. It's okay to say to someone struggling, I don't have an answer for you. I don't know why this happens. I, constantly, constantly, people will come and they'll share issues that they're having in their life. And my natural response, because I'm a fixer, is to try to fix their problems. But listen, I can't. What we need to do is just be with them and listen and hear them. And I'm saying that from a place of I'm having to learn that lesson over and over and over again in my life because I want pain to just go away. I want someone to share a problem with me and be able to say something and just fix it, right? So they don't have to have that pain anymore. But that's not how life works. We all want closure. We want to be able to move forward. But how do we get closure when there's no obvious fix? How do we get closure when something is going to take months or even years to repair? In a broken world, we need to look to God. That's where our closure is going to come from. That is where our peace is going to come from. That's where our answers are going to come from. Point number two I want to make today is that the answers that we need aren't always found in the obvious. Look at verse 13 through 16 with me again. He says, I've observed that this also is wisdom under the sun, and it is significant to me. There was a small city with a few men in it. A great king came against it, surrounded it, and built large siege works against it. Now a poor wise man was found in the city, and he delivered the city by his wisdom. Yet no one remembered that poor man. And I said, wisdom is better than strength, but the wisdom of the poor man is despised, and his words are not heeded. Look, I want to point out the imagery that the preacher is using in this short passage. He says it's a small city being attacked by a great king who builds these large siege works against it. There's way too much power and resources being wasted on this small city. If you're thinking of it from a military standpoint, there's no reason for that. It wouldn't be normal for a king to put that much investment for such a small reward. Yet, even though there's such a great army, there's such large siege works, this thing is so out of balance, but, but what flips it upside down? A small amount of wisdom. The commentators that I read this week point mostly to the military aspect of this passage, but I want to, I want to share with you what the Lord revealed to me this week as I'm studying this. Look at these passages that this section references to. Proverbs 21:31 it says, A horse is prepared for the day of battle, but victory comes from the Lord. 1st Samuel 14 or 1747. And this whole assembly will know that it is not by sword or by spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, his he will hand you over to us. Listen, in our lives we want to depend on the mighty things around us to support us and to take care of us. We want them for our protection and for our well-being and examples that are insurance companies or banks or government assistance. We want those mighty things to be the things that support us and while those can help in some ways, they're not going to fix everything and here's what I mean by that, okay? Our problems are not what they seem on the surface. They are bigger than just fallen trees and damaged homes, One of the devotions I read this week talked about the fact that all of our difficulties, listen to this, all of our difficulties in life at their base root are spiritual problems. They may not appear that on the surface. You may say, Will, you just have some trees down in your yard. That's not a spiritual problem. It is, church. The spiritual problem is that God created a perfect world and sin entered that world and that battle is not against flesh and blood. That battle is spiritual. War was the reality of life in the time that this passage was written, And, and even more so than it is for us today. And because war was a reality of life, we see so many references in Scripture about how to deal with it. We see military imagery all over, but look what the Lord pointed out to me this week. This was not referenced in this passage, but as I'm reading it, as I'm studying as I'm thinking through this, the Lord put this passage in my mind, and this is one that we're very familiar with. It's Ephesians 6, 10 through 17. Says finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in heaven. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the uh, resist in the evil day. And having prepared everything, take your stand. Stand, therefore, with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Look, Paul is encouraging the church in Ephesus. He's saying, Look, you have struggles in your life, but what is his solution? It's spiritual. Listen to what he says. And this is exactly, I think this was Oswald Saturday that that referenced this. He said, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our issues in life are spiritual and need spiritual solutions. We need truth. We need righteousness. We need the gospel. We need peace. We need faith, salvation, the word of God. The world needs those things as well. Listen, the, the, the solutions that we need are not physical solutions the answers the gospel the what the world needs is they need to know the truth that it's not just about fallen trees and damaged homes that there's a lot more going on there than they see and so how do we do that how do we do we just go to somebody and be like hey look i know there's a tree on your house but that's not your real problem that's not going to go over well right it won't if you're if you're wondering if you're on the fence about that it's not going to go over well so what do we do How do we approach this? Look at what Paul says in verse 18. He says, Pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request, and stay alert with all perseverance and intercessions for all the saints. Look, if we're going to fight spiritual battles, we don't do that with chainsaws and hammers. We do that in prayer. It's through our spiritual life that we're able to experience all of those things that Paul just talked about. This is what we have been given. We've been given access to the spiritual armor that we need in order to be triumphant. And even more than the armor, we got the Spirit living in us. The world needs goodness right now. They need joy. They need peace. And that all lives inside of every one of us. We pray for ourselves, we pray for one another, and we pray for those that God has put in our life, and we ask the Lord to work in their lives, to not waste this devastation, to use this time to draw people to himself, to see that he is good, that even though their home is destroyed, God is still good, that that's not where their happiness is found, that God can provide a new home or fix the one that they have. Now, I'm not naive enough to say that that's not going to be a struggle, but it may be that God's calling you to play a role in that struggle. It may be that God is saying, hey, Will, you need to go help with this. But the only way we'll ever know that is if we are praying for those people, if we are asking God when and where and how to help. If we are praying, if we are really playing, praying with alertness and with perseverance, not only are we going to begin to see the spiritual solutions that we need in our lives, but we're going to see the spiritual solutions that people need in their lives as well. And as the Lord is revealing that, I guarantee you, He's going to call you to play a role in that. And it could be big or it could be small, but we'll never know or see those things unless we are spending time in prayer, spending time with the Lord. God is going to speak into your life if you spend time with him. And then God's also going to use you to speak into someone else's life. As we experience God's activity and voice, we're going to begin to see what he sees. And so the last point I want to make today is that God's wisdom will bring us through. God's wisdom. Listen, in times like these, there are a lot of voices. There are a lot of opinion. Whether you're talking about COVID or you're talking about the hurricane. If you go into to regular news on the TV or social media, there's plenty of voices and plenty of opinions that have a lot to say. And we have a choice to make. We can either continue to share and be part of the noise that's already out there, or we can be the gentle whisper, the calm voice in the storm that God is speaking to other people. Look with me at Ecclesiastes 9:17 through 10:1. He says, "The calm words of the wise are heeded more than the shouts of a ruler over fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner can destroy much good. Dead flies make a perfumer's oil ferment and stink. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor." Look, we are all familiar with the results of speculation and the rampant opinions that are in our world today. And they don't help anybody. They don't solve anything. I don't care what side, if you were independent, Republican, Democrat, it doesn't matter. I'm not talking about political stuff. I'm talking about in the world. Our world is bigger than that. We don't need more of that. We don't need more noise in our world. I'm not saying that we shouldn't read the news I'm saying that when you read the news, when you experience those things, the things that bother you, the things that trouble your soul, the things that that make you really think, bring that stuff to the Lord. Ask Him about it. Get His perspective on it. Get a spiritual solution for a spiritual problem. It doesn't mean that God's going to call you specifically to take on a global issue But God is going to give you a voice in the lives of the people around you. Look, I can't tell you how many times in my office where I work that I hear people saying just ignorant things. And they think they're so smart. And they are smart people. But they're just replicating, they're repeating what they hear on the news. Right? The world doesn't need more of that. What if, what if the church global, and this one, What if when we hear those things on the news, instead of just repeating what we're hearing, we take that to the Lord, and we let the Lord speak into that issue, and then we share with people what the Lord is speaking. Look, we don't have a megaphone. We don't have a platform. Nobody in this church has a platform on social media that's going to reach millions of people, okay? And that's okay. We don't need that. We need to be the calm voice in the storm. We need to be what he's talking about in verse 17. The calm words of the wise are heeded more than the shouts of a ruler over fools. We don't need a platform. We need to be who God's calling us to be with the people that God has put in our lives. It's that simple. Those things that bother you, pray about them. Get a word from the Lord. And then as he leads, share that word with other people you're going to have far more impact than you are to just post something on your social media for your 1,000 followers to see. That personal conversation is going to have a vastly more significant impact. I'm not anti-social media. I have a Facebook and a Twitter. Everybody knows that, okay? And this is not an anti-Facebook or anti-social media. It's not about that. It's about us seeing what's most important in our lives. Where do we put our energy and how do we use the voice that God's given us? As we look at the world around us, as we see the opinions that are being shared, if we will take those things to the Lord, God is going to use it. He's aware of what's going on in the world. And, and he's not surprised by what he sees, by the way. You might be shocked when you see something on the news. God is not shocked. But here's what we need to do. God wants us to do a couple of things. Number one, he wants us He wants to reveal what He is doing in our lives, right? We know that. God wants to reveal what He's doing in our lives. The second thing is, He wants to show others that He is involved in what is going on in the world around us. The reason that I share these two devotionals this morning is to remind us of how personal God is. This week I've been thinking about these concepts, and this morning, two different guys... Blackaby and Tozer spoke specifically the word that the Lord had for us today. And we're going to read the last one at the end of the message. But I want you guys to be reminded that that when the world is chaotic, it's not just that we need to work really hard to fix it. We're just going to be spinning our wheels. What we need need to do is put our focus on how we're spending time with the Lord and have quality time with Him and let Him speak to us the things that are the most important. And we will have far more impact if we do that than if we just work really hard on stuff. Look, this week I have worked, my family has worked incredibly hard on cutting up the trees in my yard. And guess what? You can barely tell. Okay? That's not because we didn't work hard. And I'm not saying that we necessarily did anything wrong. I'm saying that a person can work till they are dog-tired, And sometimes it just doesn't matter. The author of Ecclesiastes has said that over and over and over again. That's not always the answer. Do the trees need to get cleaned up? Absolutely. Is it going to be hard work to do that? Certainly. Is Jesus going to make them disappear? Probably not. But it could be that in the middle of all of that, that God has us working. I I said this last week. It may be God's call for us is that as a life group, we look at the community around where we do life group and we say, wow, this person hasn't had time or they don't have the resources or the ability to clean up their yard, let's go attack that. The Lord may speak that and say, just go clean their yard up. And the Lord may use that to to share love and hope and goodness in a community. It may be that that has to happen between life groups, within the life group members. I don't know. I'm not saying you need to, this is not a to-do list. I'm asking you to ask the Lord what to do. And you will see a far greater impact for the kingdom and for the lives of the people that God's put around you. God wants us to be His voice of love in a broken world. And the only way we can ever be that voice of love is if we are connected with the source of love. Listen, I I struggle as much as anybody. I get up in the mornings and I am ready to go to work. I have a list, I work that list, and I feel good about it. But sometimes we need to stop working the list and get before the Lord and let Him make the list. Because sometimes the things that I think are the most important are not the most important. And the Lord has taught me that several times this week. And I share that with you for two reasons. Number one, I want you to know your pastor's not perfect. But number two, I want you to know that you're not perfect either, and it's okay. That God can redeem that stuff. I'm telling you what the Lord is teaching me is we need to go to Him first. Let Him make the list. God wants to be a voice in this community and He wants to use us to do it. The world is desperate for it. The world feels forsaken, but God has not forsaken them. And the only way they're going to know that is if we tell them. Look with me at what Blackaby said this morning. He references Romans 8, 35. See if this sounds familiar. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? We've already talked about that this morning. Nothing you could ever experience, no matter how terrible or frightening, could ever separate you from the love of God. Is that not a word our world needs to hear right now? Listen to that again. Nothing you could ever experience, no matter how terrible or frightening, could ever separate you from the love of God. No tribulation and distress you might ever suffer could be so intense that God's love for you is not even more fervent. No persecution could be so painful that God's love cannot bring comfort. Famine might starve you of food, but you'll never hunger for the Father's love. Poverty can strip you of God's compassion, just as even death itself is incapable of robbing you of your your heavenly Father's infinite love. If you base your view of God's love on your circumstances, you will become confused. There may be times when you will ask, how could a loving God allow this to happen to me? You may begin to question what you find clearly stated in the Word of God. God promised that you would never be separated from His love. He did not say that you would never face hardship, persecution, poverty, or danger. If you doubt that God could love you and still allow you to experience difficult experiences, consider the life of Jesus. If you allow the death of Jesus on the cross to forever settle any questions you might have about God's love, you will approach difficult circumstances with confidence. Knowing that there will never be anything that could separate you from God's perfect love, you will watch to see how God expresses His love in each circumstance. Don't ever judge God's love based on the circumstances. Instead, evaluate your circumstances from the perspective of God's love. Now what a word. And what a timely word. doesn't matter how bad your situation is, God is with you. And you know that. But do your friends to your neighbors, to the people you work with. God has not left us and He's not stopped loving us. God wants people to know the goodness that He has. And we stand together this morning, we sang of the goodness of God and there are people in your life that are, that are breaking down because they need goodness in their life right now because if they look at the world around them and they don't see any please, church, join me. We're not marching out of here with swords in our hands to go conquer the world. We're going to get up in the morning, we're going to get on our knees, we're going to say, God, what do you have for me today? And we're going to do that. And we're going to let God change the world. We're going to let God be the goodness in people's lives, not our works, not our goodness, but God's goodness. God wants to use us to be that voice that echoes His love around the world. As we experience the love of God, we're supposed to share that. God didn't give us that to keep it inside. We know that, but we need to hear it over and over and over again. We have to be willing to put in the time that it takes to hear His voice so that we can share His voice. Because if we don't do the first, we can never do the latter. God wants us to do life with His people. He has our attention, but are we willing to hear and to do what he's asking us to do. You see, church, we have a choice. We can be the perfume or we can be the rotting fly that ruins it. It's not me saying that, that's the scripture. But if we're not being the people that God's called us to be, we are the dead fly. This is, again, I'm not looking at you and thinking this is, you know, I'm not pointing to anybody. But we need to realize that God has a role for each of us. He has something for us to do day in and day out. But if we don't ask Him, if we don't spend that time, we'll never know. And not only are we missing out on the goodness of God, but other people are. Okay? And I know that feels like a lot of pressure. This is not me pressuring you up. This is just truth. This is how it works. Christ in us is the hope of glory. Can God do it without us? Yeah, He could. But He chooses to use us. So don't, don't let your, do not walk out of here today with your motivation being, man, Will told me I'm a dead fly. I better quit. Please don't. Let your motivation be, you look at your own life and you see the goodness of God. You see the way that God has spoken directly into your life and you let that be the motivation. Say, I want more of that in the morning and I want that for the people in my life. Let's pray together. God, it is my prayer and my desire for my own life and for the lives of my brothers and sisters in this room that you would, your goodness, your love would motivate us, that it would be the thing that wakes us up in the morning and drives us to our knees to let you make the list, to let you make the decisions, to let you place the priorities in our lives so that we can experience your goodness, but also so that the people that are living and doing life around us can see the truth of who you are. That God, as we look around our neighborhoods and we see the devastation and we see the long faces that people have, that God, that we could be the voice in the wilderness, that we could be your voice that says that you are loved and you are not forgotten and you are not forsaken. There is a God that is alive and that loves you. And he has called me here today to help in whatever way you need. God, help us to be that people. Help us to to put our own selfish desires aside long enough to experience how good you are. Help us to love people that don't feel it. Help us to love people that think that there is no longer love or goodness in this world show us those people father give us the moments to be beside them father we are so thankful for your goodness and we're in awe of the work that you are going to do through us father i see it i see the impact that these people can have i see the impact of the the lives and the people around us the impact that's needed Father, give us the desire to pursue you, to know you, and let that be our motivation. Jesus, we beg these things of you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.